0: Santilli cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
1: Are you a Yeovil Town fan? Do you want to help shape the future of Yeovil Town Football Club? The Glovers Trust exists to give Yeovil Town fans a democratic voice in the running of the club. Our aim is to strengthen links between the club and the local community it serves, and to engage with as many Yeovil supporters as possible. So, join the Trust today, and together we can build a stronger Yeovil Town Football Club. To find out more and to become a member, visit glovers-trust.co.uk and follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.
2: Stansfield, good turn away from John. Goal. Dosser would have been ideal because he's got attributes to to help the defence, and obviously he's got a long throw as
1: well, huge throw, which would be a big, big benefit to us.
3: Hello and welcome to the Glovers Cast. I'm Ian, and I'm joined by David Coates this evening. Good evening. How are you doing? You
2: okay?
4: I am doing very well. Fully thawed out and dried out following a uh, wet and blustery evening in the Hollywood Hills of North (laughs) Wales.
3: (laughs) Uh, Unfortunately not joining us tonight is our ever present BBC pundit, Mr. Ben Barrett. And for those of you who missed the commentary because you were there or you were doing something else. I can't think what else you would be doing other than listening to Yeovil Town versus Wrexham. Here's the clips of uh, Sheridan Robbins and Ben's commentary for both the goals in the Hollywood Hills of Wrexham.
5: Of uh, course, some problems headed away by Wrexham, but Charlie Wakefield's going to try and pick up the pieces. It's get Dale Gorman on the ball now for Yeovil. Back to Barnett, who's going to try and get another cross in, but it's over here, but that's going to fall to Staunton, and it's in! <laughs> Staunton! cross in from Jordan Barnett and Town have the lead he was there to put it home and after 64 minutes here at the racecourse it's Yeovil who have taken the lead against Wrexham who are yet to be beaten here Wow Ben Barrett
2: Oh my word Josh Staunton Has stayed forward From the free kick He didn't chuck back He didn't go there The ball got recycled Back to Jordan Barnett And what a delivery it was And the defence Just looked right down The uh, corridor of uncertainty The goalkeeper Doesn't know where to come out The defence Don't know whether to go back And Josh Staunton Just makes a lovely connection What a volley He doesn't he almost controls the ball in. He could have been so tempted just to welly it and put his laces through it, but he controls it. Rob, Rob Langton will be so good. He gets a hand on it, he pushes it onto the post. Now then.
5: Wow, wow, wow. Staunton's first touch. A cross comes in from Matt Worthington, That's and safe. it's a really good save from Langton. And now Charlie Wafer, and now Lowellton yeah! scores! Oh, it's a down. second goal for Town. Sunny Blue Lou Everton doubles the lead for the visitors! wow what a finish for his second goal in green and white and after 82 minutes here at the race course it's wrexham nil yeovil town
2: two wow 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 what have we just seen wrexham didn't clear their lines max hunt should have scored rob lane made an absolutely wonderful save but they couldn't get it out they then blocked one from charlie wakefield and then sunny blue low everton Right place, right time, smashed it, absolutely leathered it, nearly broke the net. Oh, my word. What are we seeing here, Sheridan Robbins? What a performance from this young, threadbare, bare bones, down to 14 players and a college youth on the bench. What are we seeing from this lot?
3: Well, Dave, you were there. We've heard Ben's thoughts at the exact moment that the the ball went in the back of the net on both occasions. How are you feeling? How are you feeling? Uh, You know, you've had two nights sleep after this now. Uh, what, What are your thoughts on what you saw in Wrexham?
4: I didn't hear Ben's screams from the other side of the pitch. I have to say, I did. I could clock him from where I was stood on the uh, stood in the away end there, but um, but I didn't hear those uh, those cries of exultation that uh, that we heard <laughs> just then. But uh, yeah, I, I think he had a slightly better view of it than I did because the um, uh, the strike by uh, Josh Staunton for that first goal, when I watch it again on the on the replay, looked an awful lot better than uh, than it did in uh, real time from where we were stood. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't really judge from where we were how far out he was, but he was actually a long way out, wasn't he? And then, uh, you know, placed that ball perfectly in, in in there. So, um, so yeah, but
3: it's an a... unreal finish.
4: It was a great finish, wasn't it? Unbelievable for a, a centre half slash midfield player. Yeah, maybe
3: maybe we found the answer for our problems up front.
4: There you go. Just give the ball to Josh and evil School. score. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, and and you can hear, I don't know if you can hear, there's almost like a delay between the ball hitting the net and there being a cheer in the away end. And that probably tells you how far away that goal is from, I'm starting to think this is a thing because I'm sure I said this about Yate as well. And there's nothing particularly wrong with my eyesight, but these goals seem to be getting a lot further away for me. So (laughs) maybe, maybe my, uh, you know, I'm just, my eyesight degenerating in the same way that my uh, my hearing is, but um, yeah, but it was it was pretty it was pretty special. I mean, I've listened to a, a few Wrexham fans um, analysis of it. I've listened to well, I've read quite a few Wrexham fans analysis of it as well. Um, and if you believe what they said, it's you know basically the referee that did everything. I mean, they played us off the park for ninety minutes, created umpteen chances. Paul Mullen was like you know a young R9, Ronaldo, and <laughs> uh, and their defence was as, was as solid as a rock. Well, I don't know what they... Well, they, they must be smoking something pretty good in Wrexham because they spent all night singing about how they're going to win the league. And I do wonder whether Chesterfield fans or uh, Bournemouth fans would probably got more right to be singing about that. But, uh, yeah... They're a funny bunch in North Wales. There was a lot more of them than there was last time I went there anyway. When I went there when Reese Murphy scored at trick and we drew three all a couple of seasons ago. The pub we were in before the game was a lot quieter. I can't think what must be attracting people there <laughs> though. Yeah. I'm sure it's the 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 love of a of a good wet and windy night in North Wales.
3: When when you say you've uh, read analysis, do you mean stroppy tweets?
4: Uh well I read some stroppy tweets, but yeah. I did listen to a few um Podcasts, I guess you could call them. There was one of a Wrexham fan who was basically he'd obviously written some notes, and he was on YouTube, and he was obviously just reading through his notes as he was going. His camera kept falling over all the time as well, but uh, but yeah, he basically said that it was the referee. The referee should never have sent off McIlinden. And, um, and that was what changed the game. And there was never, you know, we, we, we never had a chance before then. Uh, and we barely even had a prayer after it, but somehow we won two 0 So <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I won't do what, well, uh, what I've just spent the last five minutes complaining about. And I will say that Wrexham as a team, I mean, you can tell they've got some real quality in, in, in. So Mullen, I, I mean, I don't, he had one ruled out for offside. I think he had the ball in the net from one offside. Um, he got, when he got the ball, you could tell he was a good player. You know, he had a, he had a lot of quality about him. Um, I think it was Davis in the middle of the park who remember scoring a wonder free kick or a great goal against us um, when they beat a 3-0 at their place last season. Um, but, yeah, they've got some very good players. Um, I would say Ben Tozer isn't one of those players, although he can throw the ball a very long way. So, yeah. Paul from the Green and White summed up Ben Tozer very well when he said, uh, I've seen milk turn quicker than Ben Tozer. So, yeah, <laughs> definitely it, not a centre defender.
3: It's an odd one, Tozer, isn't it? Because I think he sort of hit form for us like, towards the end of Darren Ways. It must have been Darren Ways. Was it the six months he was months he Sturrock, in charge? He? Yeah, he was. Stark signed him, mm-hmm. but he sort of hit form and then he decided to up sticks and go. Yeah. Um. And he was felt like a bit of a loss at the time, but yeah, it was interesting hearing him just wiping the ball down for. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> they right. certainly, they've invested some of those, uh, those millions in some big green towels that they give every <laughs> ball boy to, um, uh, to be. So yeah, he had a little bit of banter with some fans telling him, uh, you know, that he was only there for the money. That might've been me and uh, people uh, telling him that he was only there to throw the ball a really long way. And to be fair, for long throws the man has got a hell of a long throw they were like bombs going into that um, into that box but unfortunately none of his teammates seemed to particularly be able to do anything with them um, cuz i don't say i can remember the sort of the end of the second half grant smith like turning one over the bar but for this one sided um match that apparently i sat and watched I, I can't remember them having too many you know I can't remember Grant Smith pulling off a great save, which he, you know, he often, he often does. Um, but but yeah, yeah, we got two, they got nil. That's all that counts.
3: On the red card, you've already planted the seed that you were quite far away from that end of the
4: pitch. Yeah, I've got i done the full venger there, haven't
3: I? <laughs> <laughs> uh, could you see it was red? I mean, I've uh, looking back at the highlights, it looks pretty, I don't know, I think the way he sort of goes around with one arm and then the other arm sort of follows through and wax moss its looks yeah. like there's a little bit of intent there for something, I think
4: I'll be honest, it was a long way from us. Um, and uh, it, I didn't even realise he'd been sent off for a long time until he started walking off. And even then, I wasn't hundred percent sure he was sent off because I didn't see the red card. And I was not alone there; there were other people yeah. who didn't see the red card. And um, it Adam, sounded was, like
3: the commentator on the highlights didn't he? <laughs> really, yeah, yeah, yeah well, on the well, highlights
4: and on the hi- well, the Wrexham commentator, yeah, yeah, but he talked about it. He said. He called it a nasty challenge to start with, I think, uh, and then on the replay after he had been sent off, he called it a hard elbow by mm. um, by their player. So, and that's one of their own, you know, their their own fans. But yeah, it, you could tell by the reaction of a couple of our players that it, it was a bad challenge. And when Moss stayed down as long as he did, um, you got the impression that it was it was pretty bad, you know. Uh, from one angle, I've seen it. And I'd say, yeah, there's definitely a, um, a straight. From another angle, you don't see as much of the player going into Moss, McElindon, Um And then you could say, well, it seems like a bit of a soft red. I mean, Wrexham fans are going to say it's not. I'm going to say it is. So, um, well, not all Wrexham fans are going to say it's not, are they? Because some of them have obviously said that it is. But I I mean, it, 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 I, you've seen them different, haven't you? Yeah.
3: Yeah, I think it's um, it's an orange card.
4: An orange card, yeah, yeah. 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 Some yeah, referees just, give it yeah. as
3: a yellow, some give it as a red, and you know, for once, it was sort of in our favour. A decision like that, often, well, you know, when you look at what happened against Dover, I was going to say, before, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that to me, when you watch the highlights of that, that looks a lot worse than yeah. what McAlinden did, but
4: absolutely yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. And, the that... ref. And, and, and shortly after that I mean Ben was certain it should have been a red card after um, yeah was
4: it something on Yusuf was it a foul on Yusuf
3: yeah I think it was after the ball had gone dead someone left a challenging right. on him and yeah. yeah he got a yellow for it but Ben was Ben thought that was them down to nine on the
4: yeah commentary. I mean they, they lost their edge definitely for a while um the manager certainly lost his head. He was, um, he was going crazy on the touch sign, Phil Parkinson. But, um, uh, but yeah, uh, again, from, from where we were, it was difficult to, uh, to judge anything. I mean, Ben was raised high up, obviously, you know, with a padded C and all these kind of things. I mean, I'm suspecting that's where he is tonight. You know, he's probably off sealing a big money move somewhere. I'd have thought with uh, January coming up, but um yeah, so uh, uh, yeah, he, he would have got a much better view of it than me, but um, there was definitely a few a few feisty ones going in there. But weren't great conditions either, so you know it was very wet and windy. So you know tackles that might have you know the player might have held up a bit more on the surface as well. Um, they didn't on this occasion, I don't think. But yeah, so I I, I think if they'd have. Uh, you know, they'd have emptied the stadium. They'd have turned, put the stadium on fire. I'd have thought if they had gone down to nine men, they were moaning enough about going down to ten. so
3: <laughs> And uh, the um, the big thing, I suppose, is the fact that we've played against a team with ten men and we've managed to
4: win a game.
3: Hold, win a game, hold the ball, score two goals. Like, was it? You know, the the, the team setup was a bit of um, when we first saw the team news. We all, you know, Ben wrote in as a three, five, two, didn't he, on our on our group chat. And then it yeah. turned out that Williams was left back and it was yeah. a as, you know, four three three and those partnerships remained. Like did we do anything different when they had ten men or did we just, you know, carry on playing? Oh, we-
4: yeah, we, I, I mean, I think we carried on playing as we were. I think they carried on playing as they were as well. And I mean, their biggest threat, I think, was from those toes-along throws. And you could see on a couple of occasions that they were. there was one where they, they were trying to win a throw more than they were trying to win a corner. I think was it was Rory DeLap, wasn't it? I um, can't remember which goalkeeper it was, but I remember him seeing you know, kicking a ball out for a corner against Stoke when DeLap was there, rather than putting it out for a throw because he was worried about it. And it was a similar kind of thing where Wrexham were trying to put the ball out for a throw because they knew they'll uh, and I guess if you've got if that's your you know your main threat don't really matter if you've got 10 or 11, does it uh, because you you know just chuck the ball into the into the box and hope someone um hope, hope someone gets it but yeah I I don't think either side particularly changed the way they were playing and to be fair to Rexham they Know, did have chances and they they didn't look particularly like they were down to ten men in a very similar way that Dagenham didn't look like they were down to ten men when they were down to ten men when we played them at our place um, at their place sorry so um so yeah but I, I mean we we didn't we had what four well how many did we have fifteen there was four on the bench wasn't there so we had fifteen yeah. players one was Max Evans goalkeeper who was you know and and one was Ollie Ace. Just, 17 years old so yeah I, I expected nothing against um, against that I'd, I'd have been quite happy if we'd have you know not got a spanking um, especially when you look at the strength and depth they've got they could bring Jake Hyde who I think was top scorer for Halifax off the bench um, to play for him. I know he's been injured recently and he probably would have started if he hadn't been but you know to bring that to have that kind of quality then a yeah, week. Right, we shouldn't have been anywhere near that 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 game, but um, but we were. And I will say, I know Sheridan and Ben both gave um Dan Moss plaudits for um for his performance quite rightly. But my man of the match was Morgan Williams for a player that hasn't, I think, started one two games this season. I think he won absolutely everything, uh, uh, and great in the tackles. Great, you know, if he. He, he could feel very unlucky not to stay in the team against Stevenage, even if Wilco is back, um, at back fair, um, because yeah, he was excellent. He was absolutely brilliant. Morgan Williams, I thought.
3: So the goal goes in. Josh Staunton puts us one nil up. Yeah. How are you feeling at that point?
4: Bloody hell. <laughs> What's going yeah. He just didn't, he honestly just didn't know what was going on. Like I say, 40 players, no Noles, no Wilco. Um, uh, uh, I, I wasn't expecting a, anything from us. we they there obviously down to ten men. You thought we might just do this, you know? We might, we might just hang on. But I, I, to be fair, I don't think we did hang on. I think we carried on doing what we what we did, and then, you know, the opportunity presents itself with the uh, with a second goal as well, which um, I what, would say.
3: What oh, happens oh. then? The second the second goal goes in. What? How are you feeling then? I mean well, that that caught me totally, you know.
4: I'm gonna say off the second guard. the second goal goes in, and the most beautiful sight of looking at the home end and just seeing it empty. End- <laughs> empty and uh hearing all these Wrexham fans who've been shouting at the oval um 103 supporters about what terrible support we had and there they all go so uh so yeah i, I do admit that a lot of the celebrations were spent with me singing cheerio at the home fans as they uh, as they all walked out so yeah it was um it was a beautiful sight but there we go
3: and what a moment for sunny as well
4: yeah and again couldn't see the quality of the finish um as well as you could but but he took that really well, didn't he um yeah. for like I say, in the conditions that they were because there were a couple of times and I think you saw it on the um on the highlights where we tried to place a ball in the top corner and and it sort of caught in the wind there was a it, it was a, the wind wasn't really coming one way or another it was just sort of like swirling about so there were a few occasions where you know if he'd have just lashed at that. It, it, yeah, could have gone high, wide, and handsome, but. um... He, uh, he didn't. He, he controlled it really well. But, um, yeah, I, I did think to myself, I thought that the first chance was Charlie Wakefield, uh, but it wasn't. It was Max Hunt. And I was thinking, how has he missed that, you know, Charlie Wakefield? <laughs> I can forgive Max Hunt for missing that. But then then I noticed almost like seconds later, Wakefield had the second shot, didn't he? Yeah. Which, to be fair, you know, there were a couple of players in his way there, so um, you could forgive him for that. Not- but he broke nicely to, um, to Sonny, and, yeah, he did put it. I mean, we've said all along, haven't we? He's obviously got class. He's yeah. obviously a very classy player, um, and he's got that. He's got that ability. But not nice to see him him score. And uh, I remember seeing the goal he scored up at Yate as well. Lesser opposition, obviously, but that was a beautiful. You know, just bent it into the into the top corner. So yeah, I was I was pleased with him and again. He never stopped running, sonny. He was um, he was relentless, um, even in horrible conditions against um, you know for. I was on the Wrexham podcast before the game, and I said that we have um a bit of shithousery about us sorry for pressing the button but um uh, and I think uh, I don't know if anybody saw the uh the highlights, but Mr Jordan Barnett again did his thing <laughs> he uh yeah you watched the second goal with Sonny and he literally he turns to the. Wrexham fans behind him, he's giving it this, and then you see this woman uh, in a coat with a Wrexham shirt on underneath it comes screaming at him like this and then he just gives her even more he's uh, oh yeah the man's a legend I have to say
3: <laughs> and yeah back in midfield as well
4: yeah 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 and uh, you know we all know that he can he can do it there but yeah but you've got to you've got to give credit to the players you've got to give credit to Darren Saul, Terry Skiver and everyone because they're literally working miracles with what they've got there
3: yeah and that's what i sort of you know after the Weymouth game at home yeah i uh you know did my five conclusions and yeah hastily maybe hastily i don't know you know we both sort of thought the writing's on the wall like not that we thought a decision would actually be made as such but i think we both thought that the uh manager's time was was coming up but yeah, you know, major Homer Simpson back. Homer Simpson backtracking into a hedge here. But, um, what a month! Yeah, in November. He's absolutely phenomenal, and I think, yeah, absolute credit to him and the players. I don't think when we uh, when the final whistle went against Weymouth, I did not think that
4: we'd go on this run and against against those teams as well. Yeah. Yeah. You saw that month of November and you thought we're going to be lucky to come away with too much out of that. And it's just bizarre. If you'd have told me that um, we'd have dropped points against Dover and not Bromley, Dagenham and Wrexham away, I'd have thought you were smoking whatever they were smoking in Wrexham. But yeah, crazy, you know. But I think, was it it was last season, wasn't it, where you've got, at Torquay on Boxing Day. Yeah. Um, and I remember this was long before I got invited on Twitter, but Ben and I ended up on Radio Somerset. Obviously, you know, it's far better punditry on there, but before <laughs> the shot game on well, the the game after Torquay. And I remember saying at the time that I thought Darren Sala had two games left to save his job. And that was shot in that game, and it was Torquay on. Newest day or whatever it was, they won three 0 against Aldershot on the twenty on the twenty eighth, and then they beat a Torquay at home. So, yeah, and and to be fair, at that point, I think he did have two games to save his job. Um, and like you say, after the Weymouth game, I don't. I think if they hadn't got through that FA Cup tie, it would have been you know, well, let let's assume that we've got someone who can make a decision at the top of the club. Um, there would have been a lot of pressure on for Mister X, whoever it is. Um, to make a decision yeah from yeah. dublin
3: so darren i know you don't listen but yeah I'm but sorry. if you do <laughs> if you we're, do we're sorry we're, we're both sorry um <laughs> yeah keep doing what you're doing because it is unbelievable yeah. um yeah.
4: well uh, it was it was nice to see actually. Uh, I, I just that after the Dover game, Josh Daunton uh, came on uh, Twitter and he said something about that. You know, he, he made a mistake, made a mistake to give away that first goal. And uh, you know, if he was taking the credit, then he had to take the, the the punishment as well. And he was sorry, and we'd sort it out and all of that. And then to respond like that with that goal, well, Josh Daunton, uh, take my hat off to you.
3: I'm not sure how Josh Staunton can take the blame for no.
4: But the fact that he did, but the yeah. fact that he did, you know what yeah, I mean? No, I it's know, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I replied on Twitter saying, uh, with a horrible, cheesy cliche, not, not all captains wear armbands, but, <laughs> but <laughs> not all, uh, what is it? Only, now, the, you know, only, the
3: one, only the ones who can't swim.
4: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell. Bar- Barrett really is here, isn't he? <laughs> terrible puns.
3: Um. Right, so... We're playing Stevenage in the FA Cup. It's FA Cup second round time. And uh, I have spoken to Stevenage fan from the Stevenage FC podcast, Matt. So have a listen to that. And then me and Dave will be back to have a little bit of a chinwag about that. And take your questions. Okay, so ahead of our big FA Cup second round match against Stevenage on Saturday, I'm very happy to welcome Matt Farley from the Stevenage FC podcast the Glovers cast. Hi Matt, how are you doing?
1: Hi everybody, yeah, I'm really good. Thanks for having me on. It's, uh, it's always quite nice to come and do this on, on Other Sides podcasts. I've done it so many times over the last year. So yeah, to come on and talk about, talk about my team Stevenage, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
3: Yeah, thanks. thanks. Um, tell us, are you looking forward to the game?
1: Oh uh, yeah definitely. Yeah. Um, oh, well I'm such a positive Stevenage fan I always look forward to any of the games but uh, yeah I mean FA Cup it's I mean I can imagine it's the same for Yeovil but you know it's so big for our club at Stevenage um, you know with the financials after Covid and, and all the memories we've had as, as a club at Stevenage and the FA Cup it's, uh, it's important you know we're, we're looking forward to it on Saturday.
3: Yeah I think we're sort of A little bit in the same boat. We got a lot of things going on off the pitch, and it seems like every time we get through a round, it's it's getting more and more important for like the future of the club. So, yeah, and being like in the position of being non-league again and coming again up against the league club in the FA Cup, it's sort of got a little bit of an edge to it as well.
1: Yeah, do do you know what? It's saying this to someone yesterday. It's really weird for us because. Normally we're on the other side of the, of, of the wall almost. We're, we're, we've always come up uh, you know, the same as over through the non-league ranks and we're so used to, or were so used to being a non-league club, playing a League 2 side, looking at it and thinking, oh wow, what a, you know, what a great time of playing a league side. And then it's just really weird that we're kind of on the other I'm shoe almost. It's Yeah, it's a little bit strange Saturday.
3: Yeah, plus we're on the telly as well. So it's got that added, wow. added yeah. bit of excitement to it. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Talk to me about your season. Obviously you've recently wow. changed manager. Um Alex Revel, I think he was quite a popular player, wasn't he for you? Um and took yeah. over. So what happened there? What what's the situation?
1: Wow. Well, yeah, it's it's honestly it's, it's been a, a a crazy season being a Stevenage fan. Um it, it feels like well for the past 3 years now we've we've just had these ridiculous seasons and uh yeah, this season's probably one of the most out there. But, um, yeah, we, we started the season with Alex Ravel, who uh, was made manager before COVID and got the job full-time and had last season and come into this season. And it's been, it's been a real strange one for, for us this season at Stevenage because we, we ended last season really well. We went on a run of games. I don't think we conceded a goal for about 16 games. It, it was It was... One of the best runs I've seen, actually, as a Borough fan. And uh, we came into this season recruiting what seemed a playoff contending team. A lot of players, Jake Taylor, who was captain at Exeter, Chris Lyons, uh, you know, some excellent players. And uh, yeah, we we all assumed we'd be up there competing and and it's kind of gone the opposite way. We started well. And ever since our 4-1 loss at Bradford, the, the team have really struggled to, pick up points. The home form's been really good. I think we're about 12th uh, in the home form stats, but our away form in the league has just been absolutely shocking. And uh, we've, got, we've got one win and two draws and, and about six or seven losses away from home in the league. So with that and uh, some poor performances, yeah, Alex, Alex Ravel had to go uh, a few weeks ago. It, it was a bit of a sad one. I knew Revs personally. I had a lot of private conversations with Alex. He's a lovely guy. Um, he was a great player for the club and I'm sure he'll go on to do really, really well elsewhere, but yeah, unfortunately his, his time was probably up, along with Dean Wilkins, but um, yeah so for us the last couple of weeks, it's kind of been, you know, who's going to take over, there's been so many names thrown into the hat, Steve Evans has won we're a bit like, oh wow, this is this is getting exciting, and then uh, about two days before it announced, Paul Tistel became favourite in the bookies, and uh, yeah, we got him, and, and we're really happy with it, he's probably the first well, the first time we've had a really experienced manager at Stevenage. So, um, yeah, we're looking forward to it. It's, it. I think it's his first proper game on Saturday. He was in charge last night in Football League Trophy, but he wasn't on the touchline. So, yeah, I think for us at Stevenage, we're, we're hoping that we can turn our form around under Paul. And um, yeah, we've, we've got a good enough team to do it. So, um, yeah, roller coaster of the season for us at Stevenage. But, um, yeah, we, we're uh, seeming to kind of turn things around, which is lovely.
3: Yeah, he was Paul Tisdale was at he was at Hewish Park on Saturday doing his homework. Oh, um, didn't know that. Yeah, oh. yeah. I think he was spotted in the um, yeah in the directors box watching the I've games. So he, he has he has done a bit of work. Um, obviously, he's quite familiar with Yeovil having played for us mm. um, a long time ago. Um, yeah. Now we on on the podcast we've dubbed this game El Salico. Um, obviously <laughs> sharing, <laughs> sharing Darren well, Sar as, <laughs> as managers, yeah. but I mean, we've also got Luke Wilkinson, Del Gorman, yeah. um, yeah. Darren Sarr likes to bring in players that he seems to have used a lot previously. Um, talk to me about your, your history with Darren Sarr and, you know, how, what is he, how has he thought about it? Stevenage? Yeah, well, I think
1: the one thing that not a lot of people actually know is he actually supports Stevenage. He's actually a fan of the club. I used to, uh, I used to stand. And this was this was years before he um, was manager at our club. He used to stand on the east terrace. He's, he actually supports Borough, so I can imagine it's a bit of a weird one for him because uh, it's a bit a bit, a, bit of a sticky situation to be in. But yeah, Darren, To be fair, he was. Um, he was a big name at our club. He, he came up through the academy and he was an academy coach and then um, previous management left and he was given the job temporary and a bit like we did with Alex Ravelle, he then became manager. And yes, yeah, Sali, do you know what? He had a, he had about a year and a half, two years where he did really well and he, and he built this really good team. Other players that have played for you, Charlie Lee, and players yeah. like that were, were playing for us at the time. And, and we built up a really good team and it looked like we were going kind of actually get promoted. One season, and we had a really poor ending, missed out on the playoffs, went into the next season. And that's where I think his lack of experience at the time managing a football league side cost him because he got rid of some key players like Charlie Lee. And at the time, he actually used players like Dale Gorman, who at the time were probably inexperienced for football league level, if, if I'm being completely honest. unfortunately, Sally went March 2018, I think it was. Um, but no, I, I like Solly. Um, I think he's a really good guy. He loves the club. And uh, yeah, I, I think I, it's been quite nice to see that he's done really well in management because after he left, we didn't know where he was going to go. So it's really nice to see that he's kind of found a bit of a home at Yeovil. But um, yeah, other players, Luke, we, I, I've actually been talking to Luke Wilkinson today, actually.
0: How have you? Um,
1: <laughs> no, honestly, no. But I, Luke uh, w- was great for us. We were gutted when we, when we lost Luke when Luke left. I always remember playing Morecambe away in League Two and we knew that Luke was um pro- it was probably his last season at the club and uh yeah he scored in the 95th minute uh and I'll always remember it was one of the great borough away games all the way up north and uh yeah we'll always remember it with, with Luke scoring that goal. So yeah we we were gutted that he left and uh yeah now I've been speaking to him this week kind of saying to him you know don't play too well against us on Saturday so um, yeah, it'll be really good to see those guys again. I haven't seen them since they played for Borough, so yeah, it'll be good.
3: Yeah, we like Luke. Is he's proven to be a really like key player for us, and we had a great start to the season. And he he picked up an injury against Chesterfield, and then our form totally dropped off. And then he's come back in, and you know we went unbeaten in November, played eight without losing, and obviously last night. Um, as we're recording last night, we beat Wrexham, um, away. He didn't play that game. Uh he was unwell overnight. So he's uh mm. fingers crossed he'll be alright for Saturday. But he's um yeah, he's a big player for us and yeah, when he's on the pitch we seem to do a lot better um than mm-hmm. we do without him. So yeah. Um he's a big player Luke. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um off the pitch, I like to go into that sort of stuff. What's, what's the situation like at Stevenage? Obviously, towards the bottom of the table at the moment, are fans sort of happy with their lot, with the owners, or do they want change? What's mm. what's the situation?
1: Yeah, it's, it's in, in my honest opinion, and I'm pretty sure a lot of other people would agree with me for us at Stevenage, yeah, we're doing very well off the pitch, actually, as a club. The one thing that obviously over the last few seasons where we haven't had the greatest of seasons, the one thing that has been a really big positive is actually the off field things that are going on at our club at Stevenage. Uh, we've got so much, we've had some great sponsors the last couple of years, we had Burger King um, for the last couple of years. And then we, and then we picked up an Amazon prime gaming sponsor. So the kind of sponsorship at the club has been great, but kind of a b- bit more out in the American market and things like that. And uh yeah, the finances are great off, off the pitch. The club's doing some great work in the community. Uh, well, during COVID, we had we had a, um, uh, what would I call it almost? Like a, like a community care line helping the kind of vulnerable and elderly. And uh, yeah, off the club, we've been doing some big things. We've built a new stand. We've, we've got that at the club now. And the club looks like a proper football league club, unlike it did years ago. Um, so yeah, if anything, I think people have been frustrated that the football club that we've got at Stevenage he's been doing brilliantly off the pitch, but not so well on the pitch. So, um, yeah, things have been going great for us. Phil Wallace, who's our chairman, he deals with all the kind of off-field scenarios at the club. And I think Phil's done a brilliant job at the club. Again, he's kind of moulded the club into a well-established football league club now. And, um, yeah, he's, he's got some really good initiatives going along with it. So, I think things have been positive. Again, It's all it is at our club is just doing well on the pitch which is probably about the right time to start making that happen really
3: yeah and i think you know an appointment like paul tisdale with his record you know hopefully yeah it might be a little bit too soon for him come the weekend but after that <laughs> you might go on a nice yeah, run yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah and uh, are you coming down you're coming down on saturday
1: Yes, yeah, no, coming down, uh, again, I think I said to you before, I, uh, I don't miss a game, I go to all this games, even the Stephenies games, even the little ones, the boys always there, so, yeah, coming down, I think, we've, um, I think we've fully booked four or five coaches, so we've got a good few hundred coming down on the coach, we're doing this thing at the club where everyone who gets a ticket gets free coach travel, so, yeah, no, there's a few of us coming down, I'm hoping we, we bring a lot more... Uh, um, along with the coach as well and and get a good kind of backing for our boys down there yeah so yeah i'm really looking forward to it saturday
3: yeah it should be a good game i think we're all uh, i don't want to say it too loudly but i think we're all quietly optimistic given our form although the thing is at home you never know what Town are going to turn up so uh, fingers crossed we'll we'll bring some of our away performances to to the home um home situation and give you a good game um enjoy it it should be fun
1: yeah yeah really looking forward to it it's uh I mean it's it's really weird for us because it's like you know it's such a big competition for us in the FA Cup but we're we're just crying out for an away win so it's it's like for us it's it's a really weird scenario where you know the FA Cup's massive for us it'd be great to get into the third round but just to kind of get the team an away win competitively hopefully kind of pushes us we've we've got two big league games next week at home that we need to win so we're kind of praying we get a good result that can kind of go into the league and help us out there we've just done taking over so yeah it should be a good game I think it'll be very competitive actually
3: yeah I think so too Um, well best of luck and uh, no you too enjoy your afternoon and thanks for joining us on the Glovers cast
1: no worries thanks ever so much for having me
3: So that was Matt, uh, probably up there with one of the most positive pollies we've ever spoken to on the Glovers cast. We've had a few. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, Dave, are you excited for the FA Cup match?
4: Um, I'm not sure I can get myself too excited for Stevenage at home, but um, and uh, Hugh, are you not. But- no, I can't. I'm afraid. No, no, mm-hmm. not not as excited as Matt. Anyway, I don't think anyone's <laughs> as excited as him. And and it's interesting to see the uh, Steve and his commentary. They this is a really big game for them. Um, and maybe it's because uh, they've had a bit of a rubbish season. Um, obviously with the manager leaving and they've got a new manager in now as we heard, Paul Tisdale. So yeah, it sounds like it's going. And I suppose a third round tie is something we should be, uh, you know, should really be be looking forward to. So I, I'm, I'm glad it's on the TV because then it gives me an opportunity to watch it without having to travel five hours each way to get there. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Does that sound exciting? That's about as exciting.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I'll, attempt to... I'll take it. I mean, they're yeah. bringing uh, five old coaches down. I think. Yeah. Five full coaches.
4: Free
3: coaches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, rocks, you know, there might be a bit of an edge to the game. There might be a bit yeah. of an atmosphere and,
4: but they I don't, don't call it El Salico. No,
3: no, but uh, I, I think,
4: you, you know, it is Dale. Oh, Tizico. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Maybe this is me, you know, a little bit excited because we've won a lot of games in a row, but
4: yeah, but now this... you're going to go. Yeah, I, I know. know how it I'm yeah. It all.
3: My ticket. I've got my ticket. I'm there. The, um,
4: Sorry everyone.
3: Yeah, apologies in advance. But the thought, you know, the thought of us being on this run, them not being on much of a run, yeah. and the prospect of a third round, you know, cup tie, like I think when you look at our position off the pitch, if we get a decent draw, if yeah. you know, if we get through and get a decent draw, it, it we're sort of <laughs> are we in like 1990s territory a little bit with Arsenal coming to town you know I
4: don't see anybody shaking buckets at the moment but um but yeah you think if we don't get crowds of you know if we're only getting crowds of 2,000 um you know we, we can't be far away from it can we uh, and the, as I say not to go off on one about it, but there doesn't seem to be a huge amount of investment because I don't think the people that own the club have a huge amount to invest or the desire to invest it. So once the cup money and the TV money and the, uh, you know, the the loans have all run out, you know the money's got to come from somewhere isn't it. And um, yeah, we're probably not a million miles away from shaking buckets. I don't think.
3: No. So it's, um, yeah, I think there's that added edge to this tie that makes, you know, for me, it makes it feel a bit more important than any old game. And it's also that, you know, that nostalgia of us being non league. Although it's a bit painful that now Stevenage are, you know, above us when <laughs> traditionally they've always been below us. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, a, it's still a league club and it's, you know, on paper, it's a possible giant killing opportunity isn't it that's beating a yeah. team from the league above so i don't know i think i think those who are going can be a little bit excited and i think well, we yeah yeah to...
4: yeah no well if you if if you're going don't let my <laughs> uh take you down go there and be excited make a make a make a racket yeah
3: make a racket there we go you've got permission from yeah coats to uh... make a racket
4: yeah, you can't sing you're only here for the money because I don't think they've got that much money at Stevenage. But, uh, but uh, <laughs> do your thing.
3: Right, should we do some questions?
4: Let's do some questions.
3: Uh, the first one here is from Hughish Hugh. Can we still hate Stevenage as much now they have the most dapper man and a decent bloke in as a football manager?
4: Yeah, well, I, I, I would say that I don't, think too many Ovaltown fans hate Steven quite as much as Hugh does. <laughs> uh, and I think Hugh's hatred of them goes back quite a long way to, um, uh, to the sort of, what would that be like early nineties, mid nineties, or maybe a bit later than that. They, he refers to them as the DCBs, the dirty cheating <clears throat> um, <laughs> people, whose parents gave birth out of wedlock. Oh, so okay. um, yeah, uh, because um oh there's a story about how they tried to what is it they tried to bribe torquay or something no like they tried to they they threatened to sell their star striker um because this was all at the point in time where teams couldn't go up if their ground wasn't good enough now torquay were threatening threatened to go down from the conference um stevenage could go up but Oh, no, Steveness couldn't go up, but Woking could. It was Steven's and Woking anyway. And Steven is a striker called Barry Hales who went on to play for Bristol Rav, isn't he? Plymouth as well. Yeah, um, Fulham. Fulham, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there was um, yeah, there was a there was something there where they they had a chairman called Victor Green who got caught up in all this um, inappropriateness. You can read it in the history books. I'm not making that up. So um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so that's why Hughes and but no Paul uh very good dresser. Not that I've got any fashion sense whatsoever, but he looked he always looked very dapper. Um, we were discussing off air there about trying to remember him as a Yeovil Town player. I don't remember him that well, but I do remember him being quite a classy, um, classy footballer. Obviously, someone with a good loyalty to um, to clubs, clubs that are loyal to him. Uh, he was longest serving manager wasn't he alongside wenger i think at the time wenger and ferguson um so yeah yeah i i I never really hated stevenage that much but um hate him a little bit less now maybe because they've got portisdale as manager can't speak with you (laughs) though yeah uh
3: this one from craig about you
4: do you hate him no i don't I'm not bothered really. <laughs> no real feelings about Stevenage, okay.
3: No, I mean we got Kirk Jackson from Stevenage. Yeah. Um, he did all right for us. My, I mean, my, my, my. You know, my. I suppose my most prominent memory of us playing Stevenage is the FA Trophy final, and oh yeah. And also yeah. Gary Johnson's first game back in charge was against Stevenage, wasn't it? I think. Could have been. I think it was when he returned, and Andy Williams scored the winner up oh, against right. Graham Wesley.
4: Oh, yeah, Graham Wesley. Now, there's a reason to hate Stephen H, Graham yeah. Wesley. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I hate him for I hate him for that very reason.
3: Yeah. Uh, another question from Craig McCann, although this one is perhaps more for Ben, but I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, if, we have got an answer. Might have from have an answer.
4: We have got an answer from Ben for this one. Go
3: on. Okay, so the question is, I played up at Coombe last week on that dodgy, hilly second pitch during the windstorm that made it almost unplayable. Is it the worst and most windiest place you have ever played football? And okay. where is the worst place you have played football sport?
4: Okay. Well, obviously, this is because Ben frequently refers to his uh, goal-scoring heroics with Coombe St. Nicholas. <laughs> so he wrote here, ha-ha! That's him laughing. Um, There are a few horrid places on the Perry Street circuit, including Zembard Lane at Chard, which is hardly a flat service. The delightfully named Dogshit Park in Chard Town has its own obvious challenges. I scored the vast majority of my goals on the second pitch at Coombe, the Theatre of Dreams. So I think he hasn't really answered the question about the worst play, but um, he obviously has a, you know, he loves the second pitch at Coombe St. Nicholas, I think.
3: That's the worst place
4: you've ever played football, Ian.
3: So I used to right, locally, I used to hate it when we were kids and we played Sandhurst and we used to play at Sandhurst Park and it was like the biggest it felt like the biggest slope ever. Um when I was at Sandhurst Park. Yeah, it was
4: I think it was Where is it?
3: It's in Yeovil. Oh
4: is it?
3: Yeah, I mean it might not have been called Sandhurst Park, but they play they were called Sandhurst and they played at this Oh I see slopey pitch. Um, and when I was at uni, we used to play in Camborne. You used to have to park your car on this, like, lane, go and get changed in a cricket clubhouse, and then you'd walk through what felt like a a really rough, like, council estate, Um, and then played on a muddy slope, and they were horrible. was so worth the effort, though they, they, they were all, we were, see, we were all, in, you know, innocent students. And yeah. they were all, like, local Camborne miners or whatever who, like, would just kick you, beat you up. Like Camborne
4: miners as in uh, going down the pit or miners as in they were very young.
3: <laughs> going down the pit. I oh, mean, okay. probably none of them went down the pits, but they were, yeah, yeah. just rough. And it was a horrible place to play football. But, um, all right.
4: There you go, Craig. Yeah. Ian's answer is Camborne. Yeah.
3: Have you got any? What's the no. worst play?
4: My my, my my footballing career was very uh, well non-existent. So
3: uh, yeah. I haven't had a career in football, Dave.
4: Wow! Well,
3: okay, uh, <laughs> I never got. I only I had to pay to play, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> rather yeah. than the other way around.
4: I don't think I had enough money for anyone to let me play from. So yeah. Uh, any we've... any other questions?
3: Well, we've got a question and a picture from Glover's Girl, Debs Curtis, who's got the. Uh...
4: Oh, I have seen this. Oh, this is turns my stomach just looking at this picture. <laughs>
3: uh, if you go, yeah, come on, I will retweet it. Um, yeah. uh, The question is Is there too many Palmer Violet products? And she's shared a picture of a Palmer Violet gin liqueur.
4: I know made by manchester drinks i'm ashamed to be living in the northwest of england where this kind of nonsense comes out but yes there are too many palmer violet products one is too many palmer violets themselves are too many and ben's not here to uh to stand up for his beloved palmer violets so i will go full nelson on them
3: and i don't particularly care um and we have got one from ian hammett which is a little bit of a Takeovery question. question oh, we like a takeover question what do you guys think will happen to the club if the potential takeover from the rumoured groups or anyone else does not happen this season
4: we did kind of answer that before didn't we we'll yeah. all be shaking buckets
3: yeah we have we'll you know we've, we've sort of touched on it haven't we but yeah, honest, I honestly don't I don't know what will happen no. I think well, the, cup, the, the cup run is important And I think, for me, it's not so much... I don't see the cup run as, you know... I think people were seeing it as if once we're out, they'll go. Yeah. But I'm not necessarily sure that's how I'm looking at the cup run. I think the cup run is more of a, that's going to pay the bills, rather than that's being taken, or that's not going back into the club. I think it is absolutely pivotal so um yeah that's why I think it's so important we get through and draw you know it'd be good to it'd be good to have a big club away wouldn't it really rather than a big club at home
4: yeah yeah you, if you if you got a um you know Arsenal at the Emirates or Man United or someone like that you get half the gate of all of those that would be you know even if they get much smaller gate it would be it would be quite a uh quite a windfall wouldn't it I'd have thought but yeah yeah um, but no I'd agree with you, and I think just repeat the same thing that we've repeated. there's you know somebody say something, someone do something, someone tell us uh, what is going on to all these different people that we uh, keep hearing about that are that are involved in all these people that have the best interests of the club at heart and only want what's best for Oval Town do something
2: yeah,
3: and if you do read something. it on Facebook or on social media, the chances are it's probably not based in reality so <laughs> don't believe all the rumors that you hear or all the stuff that comes out just because yeah. you know even those on the you know those on the front line or not necessarily on the front line but those with a little bit of knowledge don't know the details so
4: a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing
3: isn't it it is, it is.
4: that's why i've been danger to myself all my life <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I think that's all the questions.
4: There was another one.
3: Was there?
4: Have yeah, it? there's one here from Northern Wurzel. Oh uh, yeah, is, I've missed that one. Yeah, and and I can ask this to answer it. Is Wrexham's catering the worst in the National League for a club is going up to the league apparently well that's what they sang on tuesday evening you see it wasn't just me who heard that it was uh <laughs> northern words or well, that could be me couldn't it but it's not i promise you that's not me but uh is it the is it the worst they're this tiny little um uh hatch in the away end um and by the time i got there uh they'd run out of hot food and the hot food that they had looked like sausage rolls and possibly pasties that been cooked somewhere near the face of the sun. I think they were that burnt and uh, <laughs> and crispy. So um, so yeah, I would say they're probably up there. Although I did have a Yorkie and a bovril. Oh, I tried no. the bovril on the pro on, on the promise that it was going to be nice. Uh, do you Elliot, want to talk?
3: Do you want to talk about the bovril on the record, or would you rather well, not?
4: Elliot asked me to rate it, and as it is the first bovril I've ever had, it was both the best and the worst bovril I've ever had. <laughs> Put it this way, I'm I'm not rushing out to get another one. Let's put it that way. There you go.
3: That was almost barrett esque fencing. That yeah, one.
4: yeah. <laughs> thin, salty gravy. Mm. Yeah. There we go. Okay. Well, finish the uh, podcast in the only way we know how.
3: Yeah, let's do it.
4: Hello and welcome back to the quiz. As we all have heard in recent weeks, young Ed Turnbull is doing rather well at this quiz, so we've brought in a bit of high-powered competition for him. So, Ed, first of all, welcome back to the Glover's Cast quiz. Thank you. Good evening. Fourth time in a row, I understand. Is that right? I think so, yeah. Blimey. But... To to take on Ed in tonight's quiz, you might have heard of him because of his love of a lasagna, or you might have heard of him (laughs) for making a terrible job of getting his way home after the Overturn Away Day. Coming to us live from the Isle of Wight, it is Mr. Michael Cleverley. Hello, hello. Welcome, Mike. Okay. So can we just establish a start with the reason you're on the Isle of Wight wasn't you didn't take a wrong turn, get a wrong train. Can you get trains to the Isle of Wight? I don't think you can, can you? I think that you can, well, actually.
2: There are train stations here in the Isle of Wight. Oh, are they? there? Are train stations, yeah. Do um, they
4: go to the mainland, though? I, I haven't figured that one out yet. I mean, <laughs> maybe <laughs> after Saturday, who knows? Might, they might do. Right. Okay. Well, with no further ado, let's get on with the uh, with the quiz. We Again, we have another theme. I've managed to make another one up. So tonight's theme is forward flops. These are all strikers who play for Yeovil between 2015 and the present day. Didn't play for all that time, obviously. But uh, collectively, they have managed just six goals in green and white. So they're obviously, you know, talking some high-powered front men here. Okay. So, Michael, you know the rules, yes? Yobeltown, who am I, et cetera, yeah, et cetera? Yeah. I think so, yeah.
2: yeah think he so. knows the rules. Okay,
4: right. So I'm going to read this out. If you get a wrong answer, I will uh, uh, hold you off until the end of the next paragraph, and then I will bring you back in. But if you get a right answer, then you, uh, you, you win the point. It's a best of three. I do have a tiebreaker. I don't know why I've written that, but I do have a tiebreaker <laughs> just in case. Okay, so here's the first one. I was born in Bedford in April 1992 and joined Coventry City as a youngster, making a professional debut for them in the League Cup defeat at Harlepool in August 2009. My league debut came three days later, and i I'm impressed enough to be awarded a two-year deal at the end of the 2009-10 campaign. The following year, i made a loan move to Cheltenham and got my first professional goals Within just two minutes of coming on in a 6 4 defeat at Rotherham. I ended up playing 22 times at Wadden Road before being loaned back, uh, sorry, before returning to Coventry and then being loaned back out to Cambridge United. My form on loan saw me given another two-year deal, but I made just three appearances for Coventry in the 2011-12 season. My only football in 2012-13 came in a loan spell at Tamworth. I was released in the summer, and I went on trial at Peterbury United, where I'm pressed enough to get a deal. I actually turned down an offer from Trammere, that same summer, because they wouldn't give me any accommodation. All they wanted to do was pay my wages. Ironically, my only goals for Posh came with a brace and a 5-0 win over Tramme in the FA Cup, and another in a 4-2 defeat at my old club Coventry on Boxing Day 2013. But in January 2014, I was a mateway in a deal which took Connor Washington to Peterborough and sent me to Newport County. And I made 14 appearances from that season without finding the net. I got a goal in my first game of the 14-15 season, a consolation in a 3-1 League Cup defeat at Reading, but managed his two others that season was eventually released in the summer. And it was in the summer 2015 that I arrived at Hewish Park, making my debut alongside Mark Beck in a 3-2 opening day defeat at Exeter City under Paul Sturrock. Probably my most notable appearance of my early months at Yeovil saw me red-carded for a wild challenge in a 4-2 defeat at home to Morecambe. It's going on, this one? <laughs> I had to wait until my 15th appearance uh, to get my first goal, uh, to get my first goal, the second in a 2 all draw at home to Stevenage in November 2015. My other goals... Came in a last-minute consolation in a 3 2 football league trophy defeat at Oxford, and then a 90th-minute equaliser in an FA Cup tie against Carlisle United, played at Blackfield's Bloomfield Road. That earned the gloves a replay back at Hewish Park, where they ultimately went on to lose. And Sean Jeffers. You... Sean Jeffers is the right answer. Yes, well, blimey, that one go on for a while. <laughs> These terrible centre-forwards have obviously not stuck in either of your minds very well, have they? But, okay. So, yes, you're right. The answer is Sean Jeffers. Okay, so 1-0 to Ed. Number two. I was born in Zurich, Switzerland, in January 1990. on Mateo. on Mateo is the right answer. Oh, He's straight <laughs> in there with Switzerland. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, Ed. I don't... Blimey, Mike! I, I I had high hopes for you. I have to say. <laughs> uh, I, I
1: know I had no chance, really. I mean, I some some of the games for the um George Davis one. I remember being at the games, but <laughs> I
4: actually can't remember of him doing anything. Him. It's all it's all a blur to you. Well, do you want the third one just to see if you can salvage some uh, uh, salvage some pride? Yeah, hit me with it. I'm ready. Okay, okay, okay. I was born in Birmingham in October 1984 and having joined Derby County's youth team as a 17-year-old made my debut in a 1-0 win at Ipswich Town in September 2002. I was a regular in the Derby side playing 30 times despite only scoring three goals and having started three first-team matches of the 2003-04 season, I suffered a long-term knee injury, which led to me losing my place. However, I was awarded a two-year, two-year contract by the club, but it took me until December 2003 before I was back involved with Marcus Tudgay and Lee Bradbury, the preferred from pairing for Derby at the time. There were opportunities for me to move to both Russia and the Ukraine, but I stayed to fight for my place at Derby and even had a spell at, Sheffield United. At the start of the 04 05 season, I joined MK Dons for a reported £150,000, scoring on my debut in a 1 0 draw with Barnsley, and finished the season with 18 goals in 48 appearances, earning a new contract. The following year, I managed 18 goals again, including an equaliser against Yeovil to cancel out a Terry Skiverton goal at Stadium MK. My form that season earned me a call up to England's under 21s, coming on as a substitute against Norway in a 3 1 win at the Majeski Stadium Reading in February 2006. But one of my best goal scoring form came in 2006 7 with 24 goals in 41 appearances for the franchise as we made it to the League Two playoff semi final. Finals. I did manage to get sent off in two consecutive matches, with a straight red in one and two bookings in my follow-up game. Having been named in a PFA Team of the Year for League Two, I was linked with a move away and handed in a transfer request, leading to a 1.1 million pound move to Charlton Athletic in August 2007. But the move to the championship did not go as hoped, scoring just one in 25 appearances. And I was loaned out to championship rivals Colchester for an equally anonymous chapter in my career. The following it, season... Is it Leroy Lita? It's not Leroy Lita, but uh, that's, not a bad, that's not a bad guess. Michael, you have an extra paragraph here. <laughs> I can sense by your face that you're, you're, you're close to this one. So <laughs> An equally anonymous chapter in my career. The following season was not much better. My only goals come in on loan at Millwall, where I got two and eight appearances. With Charlton relegated to League Two for the 2009-10 season, I did manage to make a small mark with three goals before oddly returning to the championship with Peter B United on loan. Ed, you're back in now. Following my release by Charlton, I had to drop a further division, but found my scoring touch again. This time at Barney, with 14 goals in 30 league appearances, and topped that with 22 in 53 appearances the following season. Before moving to Portsmouth, Having scored in my debut in a South Coast derby against Bournemouth. My form was not horrendous, with 11 goals.
2: It's
4: not at back, bro, but again, not a bad, not a bad shout that. Um, Okay, Uh, so uh, not horrendous with eleven goals in twenty-seven appearances, but left by mutual consent in December two thousand and twelve, following a difference of opinion with manager Guy Whittingham. I made an ultimately unsuccessful return to MK before scoring in a four-game loan spell uh, before, sorry, before scoring once in a four-game spell at Northampton Town, and and then. Following a prolific season at Crawley, where I got 21 goals in 44 appearances, I joined Notts County, where I was at best, average. And you're back in now. Having been released by Notts in August 2016, I was brought to Hewish Park and made my first appearance in a 4-1 defeat at Doncaster Rovers, replacing Tom Eaves as a second-half substitute. I got my third in a 4-3 win over one of my many old clubs, Portsmouth, in the Football League trophy in my next appearance. But that would be my first and only goal in green and white. In November, I was released from my contract with Darren Wade (laughs) after making just two starts, which Darren Wade described as fair play to me. And I ended up at Wrexham in the National League, scoring once in 15 appearances. I announced my retirement from professional football uh, in the summer of 2007, and took up a role as a salesman at MK Dond, where I was the club's all time top goalscorer. I did come out of retirement for a spell in 2018 to play for Southern League Kempston Rovers, finishing with 15 goals in 36 appearances before injury forced me to retire for good in January 2020. Who yeah, am I? Was I was um, Andy Williams, What don't him. It's not Andy Williams. Go on, Ed. You got what? You got one go. Oh, uh, I, I, I mean, it's not Leon Bess. i have I just have no idea at all. Not Leon Bess. Um, the answer is Isaiah McLeod. Geez. Oh, <laughs> what? Well, uh, probably the worst. In fact, definitely the worst of the three. He got one goal. Gold Mateo, two, and Sean Jeffers three. But it is the tiebreaker for you. Has El McLeod scored more career goals than either Jeffers or Omoteo. How many goals do you think he scored near n- nearest one wins. You can you can get one back here, Claire. I should have been listening to what you were saying and adding them up. You should have been. You <laughs> should have been. But I'll give you a clue. He scored quite a few. Over a hundred, I'll give you that. Oh, so 101. 101?
3: Ed. <laughs> well, I-, I could be an idiot and go 102, but I won't.
4: I'll go for um Hi, oh, you said quite a few. 152. 152. You're very close, Ed. 162. It oh, was yeah. that Isaiah McLeod got most of which for oh, yeah. MK Dons, but we'll went
1: for 1.1
4: million, 1.1 million from MK oh. Dons to Charlton. Yeah, yeah. And he was absolutely pants for us. So <laughs> I don't think I, I don't blame either of you for not remembering him at all. And if anyone else was listening to this and they don't remember him, I don't blame you either. Okay, well, Michael, it was a pleasure to see you once again, and um, we are. Ex- are you likely to be at Hewish Park against the, you know the Cleverly Derby, El Cleverly Co? Um, i
2: haven't actually fully decided yet. I mean, it's either going on supporters' coach to Somerset for that one, or watching in a pub in Stevenage. So I've got to try and work out which is more safer, <laughs> and then um, yeah, I go from there. But okay. I reckon I might be. Okay, well,
4: either of them sound unpalatable options, but we wish you all the very best. So, gentlemen, thank you once again. Ed, we'll see you next week. Cleverly, we will see you soon. In a bit. Bye-bye. Cheers. Thank you.
0: And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard
1: making back pedal.